Welcome to Oh Brother, a podcast of three brothers trying to figure it all out. Your hosts, Brandon, Colin, and Aaron. On this week's show, Train Life. <laughs> Ahoy! Ahoy? And there we go, it's recording! Oh, wow. It's working! It's fine. <laughs> the button has been pushed, look at that. Oh, shh. Table. <laughs> Look, things are going fine. We're all on. Uh, we're it's just, it's fine. We're all it's all good. We're all good. <sighs> How's it going? Good. How are you guys doing? <laughs> good. Aaron, what's new? Oh, not a whole lot. This is probably the first free weekend I've had in a long time to actually do anything and and conversate. Um, what was that word? Conversate. No, I don't know that one. All the all the kids are using it. Don't yeah. worry. What are you doing? Come on. <laughs> Functional actions at the same time. Um, no, baseball season's getting started. Um, I spent a good chunk of yesterday getting schedules made, practice schedules made, workouts made. Uh, thankfully, it's been cold, so I haven't had to spend too much time working on the field. And that's been practically my whole life <laughs> ever since softball ended. But yeah. That's what we got going on. Well, good. Well, yeah, we are recording in person, too. So that's exciting, I think. Yes. <laughs> at an awkward table with uh, one few too many mics. One few. Last. Two, yeah. Mi- last. Last mics. Not, not enough microphones, <laughs> That's That's how math works, okay? <laughs> the, the childhood table that we grew up eating Thanksgiving on. Mm-hmm. And that is true. Fold out, folding out table. So it's got some, you got some history, you got some miles on it. I mean, you know, card tables from the seventies are just where it's at. Really, I feel like they're underappreciated format. Okay? <laughs> just need to show more love to seventies card tables, right? That's that's the vibe here. Whenever, whenever I go somewhere and they're like, "Hey, go go get the kids' table," I automatically think of a <laughs> light brown <laughs> square folding square table. folding table from the nineteen seventies. Are they still making you sit at the kids' table? That's a little rude. I feel like I'm just saying, just in general, it's like, oh man, is, is there a kids' table somewhere? Like this is my first thought we okay, could be at a okay. fancy dinner we could be at a you know a, a banquet of something and it's like oh the kids table's over there and i'm like is it brown and it's square <laughs> kids tables must be square at all yes. times otherwise <laughs> that's true with a weird top on it it's I like don't faux know. leather like, yeah. like it's a soft top but like well uh, man this is great foley work for people can it's true yeah, it's the it's, it's really loud no, no, yeah. you can pick it up through this. <laughs> I'm holding it so that I can. I am the boom right now. Right? Yeah, that's how it's working. I, I am the boom. Right. <laughs> oh man. Well, yeah. I mean, it's been it's been a lot. Uh, we've been snow's coming, so we're gonna get some fun weather. Allegedly, this is Missouri, so like. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Got to wait till it's actually falling. <laughs> so the- oh, right. <laughs> and it's actually sticking too, because otherwise it doesn't, uh, doesn't count. It's true. Cause technically it snowed yesterday then. See, <gasps> it did. Well, it stuck. So much to the delight of Susan. She was very enthusiastic. <laughs> she did not stop grinning the entire time. She also didn't want to come inside. I was like, we have to go in. It's cold. She's like, no, it's so pretty. Like, okay, hold on. It's, I'm actually freezing now. All right. My ears are falling off. It's, 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 the snow is blowing so hard right now. It's not okay. <laughs> oh, 
yeah, so we survived that and uh, off off to to new things. But yeah, we uh, we went on another. I think I told you we went on another train ride. I, t- I showed you those pictures and yes. stuff. So uh, it's firmly firmly getting better at, at train life. So it's more, it's it's very important now. I think it's becoming our second trip. It's very integral to us and how we operate as a family. <laughs> I see bright futures for us. <laughs> The trip to Kansas City by train. Ooh, integral part <laughs> of functioning society, apparently. Who knew? Never, never seen anyone so excited since the 1980s when the trains were first invented. Uh, you know. <laughs> like, we're going to take on the railroad. Okay, come on now. <laughs> definitely not by, part of my personality to do one thing one time and be like, this defines me and everything about me forever. Multiple times. <laughs> no. yeah, this is how I am now, yes. forever and always. <laughs> What is a train guy? So exactly. It's kind of a thing. I don't know if you know. What's, what's, those, what's those pictures when you see of like kids will look at, you know, a list of these things and define the rest of their life. One's like a medieval knight. One's like a dinosaur. One's like a train. Yeah. That's gone right now. Right now. This week. This <laughs> yeah. It was dinosaur last week. Ah, this week. Wait, Aaron, wait till he finds out about dinosaur train. Yeah. Okay, hold on. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, have you got to the point where you can identify trains? Are no, you, I'm not. What are, those? What are, are you those a called? train spotter? spotter? No, I'm not a train spotter uh, at all. So He's out, no. out there with his camera, right? Spotting them. I feel like that's a, isn't that a more of a, a European thing, more of a British thing, or is it? It's very European, yes. Yeah. I, yeah. There, there's, there's some people on, on social media that all their pages that they post are all trains like, Oh, I, I, I th- this train's coming. In. It's, it's this model. And I love it. And like shows like their recording action of them seeing it for the first time. There's some, you know, moderate ones like, Oh, Hey, there's this train, but then there's like the train spotters. It's like, Oh, I can't believe that this train's coming in. And then it drives by like, that was amazing. Yeah. Like, oh, there's a guy on YouTube. I know that, that is the British guy. That's just like, Oh, and here's the, Here's the train coming. Have you seen That's this? That's a guy? very British thing to do. No, yeah, all, yeah, it's just <laughs> so all of my exposure with YouTube train spotters, uh, they some of them cross over nicely to train hopping videos. Oh, right, right. which I've talked about before. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, so a couple of them are like. They're like into trains. They're like, oh, that's really cool. It's this kind of look or whatever. And then they like sneak a ride on a freight train and are <laughs> and are like going across Germany illegally on a freight train. So like, you know, there's that. That's the crossover that I have. Okay. Uh, so okay. I have, yeah, I, I had to do a quick quick YouTube search. His name was Francis Borgias. Is he's that British guy? But like the camera work that he has, he has a GoPro like attached, um, pointed at his face, and it catches like his reaction when he does it. Yeah. So you, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so you don't really sometimes some of his earlier ones you don't see the train coming in. You just see his like really excited face. Yeah. And him describing the train, and then later he'll he'll edit the train yeah, coming in. Yeah. Oh yeah. They, yeah. I, I feel like it's better if there's an actual train in the picture, like <laughs> so other train enthusiasts can see it too, right? Don't hog the train to yourself, guy. Come on. <laughs> so. No, we, uh, uh, yeah, we did the train and, uh, that was our highlight for this week. I think really, really it was, 
They had a, it was really full on the train. The guy said they had almost 200 people riding it. So they're almost at capacity. So it was a bit, it's kind of interesting to see. Uh, but it was, it was the, the weekend of between, it was the weekend before New Year's. So there were a bunch of people uh, moving hither to the Réunion, uh, apparently by train. So all, all our European friends are also laughing at you. They're like, oh, 200 people on a train. Yeah, I Amateur. Know. Get out. I know. <laughs> have, have they, have you looked up the, um, the polar express? Uh, the, we, the kids did that this year. Not the amazing documentary, the movie. Oh, Hanks. right. I'm, talk, I'm talking about like the actual, like narrated by Tom Hanks, narrated by Tom Hanks, acted by Tom Hanks, CGI by Tom Hanks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Storyboarded by Tom Hanks. Santa also played by Tom Hanks. <laughs> um, but there was, spoilers for the polar express. <gasps> wow. But there was there was the whole there I have a few people on, on Facebook that like that was like the highlight of Christmas, but apparently like tickets are super expensive. It's very like it's like hard to get like like you're on like a wait list. Well, they did they do one I don't know if it's the Polar Express, but the the Amtrak by our house does one but just between two towns. Yeah. That's kind of a thing where Santa comes on and you go ride. But yeah, it was like a, like a short version. Short version. version. Yeah. Yeah. We don't go all the way to the, the North, North Pole, Pole with this one. It's just <laughs> it's just that. Or do they? Or do they? <laughs> I, that movie is so that's a that I, I use this a lot m- more frequently than I probably should because it kind of cheapens the meaning of it. But like, what a fever dream that movie was, I mean, especially when they're drifting the train on ice <laughs> and sliding around again. Spoilers for the movie review. But. I just want to talk about for a second here. Colin, Colin, do you like the movie Polar Express? I. Uh, yeah, I do. OK, so here's Colin's inconsistency, right? Colin. <laughs> complains and moans and cries that the Hobbit is split into three movies. I'm going to complain and moan and cry that the Polar Express is an hour and a half long. That book is 12 pages long, Colin. Right? And it's mostly pictures. And then That's we have true. an hour and a half movie of weird CGI Tom Hanks playing every character, like some sort of like Eddie Murphy. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, Norbert. Or yeah, whatever that Barry playing everybody. Oh yeah, Tom Hanks getting on the okay. action. I'm gonna play every character. Fair point, fair point. Well, look, but also Yeah, okay. Well I'll just go sit over here then. <laughs> we have been having discussions with the kids as far as like because we've read through the Hobbit, right? We're starting to read the the fellowship right now right and at some point i want to go once we get far enough into the book i want to be able to sit and kind of watch that part of the movie to mm. like i really want to wait till we're, till we're done with the book to then go back and watch that and I, i'm not quite sure how i'm going to have that discussion of how there are not three books or three three movies for the hobbit and that we don't watch those they're not real that so. is going to be kind of rude because if they ever come to my house, I'm going to be like, yeah, I got them right here. So let's just watch them right now. Like, no, our dad said they just don't exist. They're not real. <laughs> no Similarian. No, no, no pre of it. No, that, not getting through there just yet. Well, you, you haven't read the, the graphic novels version. Because that's when I, when I broke into The Hobbit, what we did, you know, many moons ago. It's like the only time, the only thing that I knew that existed of the actual books was like the graphic novel of, of The Hobbit. And I was like, all right, this is the only thing that there is. So when people, when people actually start handing me the book, I was like, there's more to this? Why is there more of this? Oh. Why are there no pictures? How am I supposed to know what's happening? 
Yeah, it was a good, they really enjoyed the book. Um, so, and, and they're enjoying the, I mean, the, the Lord of the Rings is, is a lot denser, right? So I'm having to stop. Like, we, we're just now getting through the Council of Elrond, like, where we're just kind of to the chapter of the ring goes south. And man, that's a slog of like, <laughs> so this person's saying this, and the reason they're concerned is because there's like, there's a lot more background, like, exposition to get through that, because it's just a lot of like basically people sitting and, and talking. Definitely not ready for the similarly. No. <laughs> um, what, what's the, the Amazon TV series? Oh, the, the, power of the, ring. the rings of power or whatever. Yeah. yeah. That's about the second age stuff. That's yeah. like the unfinished talesy bit. There's a bit in some really about that. Not very much, but mm-hmm. they never got the right. They like the thing was they couldn't get the rights to the Cimmerillion because yeah. the Tolkien estate's like, no one is touching this ever. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> I gotcha. And I still haven't watched that yet. I keep meaning to. And then. Mm. You? I, well, like, I, yeah, I want to, but I, I have to, I, I would, so as far as my Amazon watch list currently these days goes, I just found out yesterday that James May's new travel show is Ellen. So yeah, and it's got to watch that. It's Man India. In, Man in India. Yeah. So upcoming on that one, listeners, there you go. And then, uh, I watched season two of Reacher came out mm. recently yeah. and I've watched the first couple episodes of that because I really like that show. Um, that's about it for my Amazon watching. I haven't decided if I, I haven't gotten the mood to watch rings of power. And I also don't know if I want to continue hate watching wheel of time. Right. Oh. Because I, <laughs> because like the first season was so annoying to me and, but like still they did just enough to, where I was like, well, I kind of want to know what happens. Right. Like I, what's going on with this weird guy? Like what's happening? Like, I need some closure on some of these characters, kind of. So I kind of want to watch it, but also I don't because watching it the first time was such a horrible slog <laughs> that I was I was barely making it through to the end. Right? I'm, I'm sorry, Roseman Pike. I know that you put a lot of work into this, but I oh, I just don't know. I don't. And this is again, this is somebody who's I'm not a pre-existing fan of the Wheel of Time. I haven't read it. I don't really want to read it because I read somewhere that someone's like, yeah, in book seven, it gets really good. I was like, excuse excuse me? (laughs) That's that's not something I want to deal with. So, yeah, I don't know. I haven't watched Rings Path. Have you watched it? Did you watch it? Yeah. As a Lord of the Ring person, I I felt it was my my duty and my obligation to watch Rings of Power. Um, If you're a fan of the Lord of the Rings, watch it just so you can say you watched it. It has Lord of the Rings in the title. Um, mixed bag for me. Like I thought some parts were interesting, but I wasn't like grasped the whole time, like watching like any of the other, other Lord of the Rings movie. It, I, I don't know if it was like kind of a cash grab or if they just wanted to fill the void of action fantasy, but watch it through once you'll be good to go. Like it's it's got some it's got some interesting like oh hey like that makes sense to hear and then it like completely forgets about it but if you're a Lord of the Rings fan watch it get it out of the way say you did move on I feel does it have so my biggest problem with like Wheel of Time and some other shows that have been on Amazon like the ones that Amazon produces is the pacing problem right like it feels like some episodes take years. And then other ones like are over in like five seconds, uh, but they're, the, they're both like the same amount of time. 
so like I feel like sometimes like shows produced specifically for internet don't like they don't flow correctly and I don't know why that is right I don't know if that's just a me problem <clears throat> I don't know if I'm such a maybe I'm just too old and I have like a television mentality of where I'm thinking about how shows and things like or even miniseries like they every episode needs to fit into a block to progress through a season right so is, does it have that or is it just like badly written it so besides the writing and some of the acting there's um there's a channel on youtube that i watched that kind of summarized up like if you like politics and talking rings of power is perfect for you now there, there are some action pieces but it's not anything like mind-blowing some of the characters i cannot tell you what their names are because i just they, there's like oh there's this person and then like background exposition and then it's like all right enjoy it and it's like what who's this guy what is he supposed to be doing and like some of like the the minor characters or the characters that you're like supposed to root for like can you just like something happen to you so we can move on you're kind of taking up the screen and so your your scowling face isn't really like doing it for me because there's characters that are supposed to you know they, they they have they have the elves they have um they're not hobbits they're like subspecies of hobbits and then like they introduce some like the other characters and they they talk talk about you you visit some of the kingdoms that no longer exist like which is kind of cool but even then it's like this is an old and ancient powerful city and like what what like can you give more would that would that be numenor is that what you're talking about yeah so yeah so there's numenor and it's like look how grand this city it's it's like a kid like who's doing a um like a group project and it's like oh man like oh i want more information no, you're not going to get. Okay, well, next slide. And so there, there's a lot of that. There's the the plot is, you know, they're they're trying to you know search out the the evil that was once there. And there's kind of like a revenge quest that's kind of like supposed to be like pushing the whole plot. And you kind of forget after like the second episode that that's like what the point of the story is. And kind of having it, it, it's it's supposed to like piece all these or have all these things pieced together. And at the tail end, it's supposed to be like, boom, mic drop. But you're like, I saw that coming like halfway through episode one. Like, I'm not, I'm not super surprised. So it's watch it just because if you're a Lord of the Rings fan. But that's about as much. Don't don't get too hot for it, because I think when they're like, oh, season two is coming along and everyone's like, nah, season two's not happening. It's like, oh, that's what I heard too, and I feel like that is just sort of a <clears throat> a problem indicative with like trying to adapt anything Tolkien anyway. Because and a lot of fantasy, and this might be the Wheel of Time problem, also, right? And as a person who's never read the book, I don't know, but like that is a fiction, and like Tolkien's fiction, it's so dense, and like when Tolkien writes, it is expository, and so, especially uh, this is a person who's read the Cimmerillion multiple times, so like. Uh, I feel like <clears throat> I have a leg stand here on this. It's very like, and then, and then, but you know, that's like a history book. So they're trying to, and all the material that comes that they, they're allowed to use for the rings of power is like pieces that are a history book and some random notes. So like, they don't really have a lot of like action material anyway. <laughs> Cause it's like, Oh, here's this person standing and talking <laughs> and he was before the council again like oh wow cool it, if it 
kind of going along with that. If um, the TV series House of the Dragon mm. is is a great HBO you know miniseries based off of Game of Thrones, but if you read um, Fire and Blood, it is literally written like a maester wrote it as a history book, and that that's not an exaggeration. It's like it because it, it goes into chapters where it's like we don't really know much what happened during this time, but we could only assume that blah 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 blah. And then it's like in five sixty six, and like oh, because because I have it and I, I'm reading through it, but like problem with it, especially with Game of Thrones, that like especially with Targaryens, everyone's named Aegon, everyone's named you know Viserys, and so it gets to a point where like who am I talking about here? And so like it, it's kind of cool being a history person like reading that aspect as it's a history book. But like when you watch the show, yeah, I, cause I got to the point where it mentions it, the, the series in the book, but it's like maybe a few pages. It's like, and then like you go to the TV series and it's just like, all right, you have, we have to hit this talking point, this talking point, this talking point, make up everything else. And, and the, and the way that the game of Thrones people did it, there's a lot more like intrigue. There's a lot of more things that can grab your attention with the rings of power. It's like, yeah, there's talking points that they have to hit, but it's like, let's show more images of them walking. They like that in Lord of the Rings. Oh, let's have an image of, or, you know, a 30 minute scene where elves are discussing politics and trade rights. That's int- They like that before. And so there's a lot of things like that. That just like, ah, can you, can you speed this up? I don't know who's talking. I don't care. There there are some parts where the dwarves are actually playing more of like a part in it. And so actually saying like dwarven society actually into it instead of like with the original, like, you know, the Hobbit or Lord of the Rings, like there's dwarves somewhere, but it's, it is actually like shows you like in the in-depth parts of like dwarf hold. So that's kind of cool. But again, it's like, I don't know who any of these people are. They, they're not much intrigue for me to try to like care for them that much. It's like, ah, insert name. And then they never say their name again. So you have to like take notes when you, when you watch it, but it, it it's, if you like Lord of the Rings, watch it, but just, just go to house of dragons instead. It's fine. So I feel like that's where television is helpful as a media, because then you have a, a face to go with the name, right? Cause like when you read the Silmarillion, you have the same, you have a Targaryen problem, right? Especially the first age. Everybody's like, it's like Finway and Fingolfin and Finrod and Feo and like Feanor. And you're like, I, why did you do this? I don't. <laughs> and so trying to remember who's who is a little bit tricky, yeah. right? So if you had a face, that would be good, right? And I, I, do you think that it's just a product of like the time that like it appears that, uh, George's writing seems to adapt better for like television, right? Do you think it's like his like just style, like because it's much more modern and like his just generally is a lot more like political intrigue. It's like more drama filled, whereas like Tolkien stuff is much more like it's calmer, it's more subtle, it's more like stoic in a way, right? Not not worse or better, right? I'm saying it's it's just a different vibe, right? And I feel like. I feel like maybe that's part of the problem too is like because when you read Tolkien's second age stuff it is kind of just like yeah like when he's describing like the great evil it's just like he's a bad dude but when like George is talking about somebody it's like very detailed and very like well and because he's like a more modern sensibility like playing on like modern readers and stuff do you think that's part of it maybe I 
there's sometimes like when I read certain books and or or just any sort of illustration, it's like, yeah, this was made for TV. That I don't know if that was like the author's like intent because like when I read some of these people, like the the way they write it out and the way they they are detailed, I'm like oh they they have a future that this is going to be on TV one day. I think with um, Tolkien, like it, he that wasn't his thought because I know that wasn't like really such a big thing back you know back yeah. then. And so I I think with with him being kind of more of a um a writer for like again like an older audience. Or someone who could like start old and kind of move from there. With it, I I he, he, I don't think that was his intent. That like, oh, one day this is gonna be, you know, on the big picture. With with Martin, I think that was, you know, he started out kind of the same way, but I think with the popularity, he he because if you read book one of Game of Thrones, it's it's different than like book two, although there wasn't that much of a difference like time wise. But like when you read the books especially in the earlier seasons of the TV show, it's like almost like, and I don't know if that was intentional by the, the directors, but it's like, Oh, this was the way it's written. Like that is a like textbook scene in the TV series. And so it, it, he, he, I don't know if he, he adapted his writing or like, Hey, I want this to be on TV one day. Boom. Here's literal the script. I just wrote it in this book. Go for it. And so I, I know the, the maturity of the audience kind of help plays a part of that. And so, if, I mean, if you're just writing to write and have fun with it as, you know, with Tolkien and creating this this world and all this background stuff, yeah, I, I don't think he had any intention that it was going to be, you know, a TV series or, or a movie one day. I think, too, it might be a part that, like, uh, before writing a book, George had seen a movie. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. he had watched television. Like those mediums existed, and so like I think they probably influenced him just because, just just because of the environment of living and being born, you know, like later, and because uh, they overlap. I don't remember when George was born, but like you know, Tolkien died in the seventies, so like he was he was alive like way. So when Tolkien was like a little kid and stuff, there there is no TV, there is no movies, right? Like you get the radio, right? Ah, and so like. Just like being exposed, and like so, Tolkien would just read books only, and so when he would write, that was his influence. And whereas, like Martin, like, and like later writers, like just the fact that you have watched television influences the way that you think about storytelling, or the fact that you have seen a movie, right? You now can think about stories in a slightly different way, like your plot diagram, kind of goes a little bit differently and you can think about things differently just because you're exposed to different media. Right. And so I think that might be part of it too. Like <clears throat> just, uh, they come from a different time, even though they're both like medieval high fantasy ish thing. Right. Like when you're writing during, you know, the world war one <clears throat> and you're just talking about like overcoming obstacles. Right. Or if you're writing through like the, the, you start right. I mean, he started okay. The the first Martin book, the whatever the Game of Thrones book came out in ninety six. So he could have started writing that in eighteen forty seven, for all I know. But yeah, uh, <laughs> he like that's a very different like the nineties and like the late eighties, early nineties, like all the crazy like global political insanity, right? Like that's just a very different environment to be in, and so some of that just like automatically transfers 
into your writing because like you're exposed to it. People are familiar with like yeah. more like high drama stuff like that. So that's another. I never thought about that before. That's a very interesting thought plan. Well, yeah, especially if you think like uh, Tolkien's. You know, he's reading Beowulf and and transcribing that from its original language and making that a thing. And that yeah, as you become exposed to different new media types, it changes how you can process a story, how you can show a story, how you can put pieces of the puzzle together. And I think that's really true, especially with, with Martin of, yeah, they're kind of in the same genre, but he's pulling from a lot more modern sensibilities and the way stories are told. But we tend to think, Oh, he's writing a book. So he's writing a book, but it's like, yeah, but he's writing a book influenced by a lot of other media going on at that time, even though he's, he's notorious for being, you know, cut off from the world and that kind of stuff and you know and how he writes and things but i think you can't but help it yeah it's true i feel like if you have seen twitter your writing's gonna be different (laughs) like i don't know but yeah that's a very good point like maybe that's why he hasn't finished a book he's got too much media influence oh no he's got he's afraid to end the story well plus he's got a I don't know. Have they fully resolved like what canon is going to exist because of the HBO version of the ending versus his own ending no and like knows. what the overlap is or isn't going to be? Well, if he never finishes the book, there is no, the uh, only canon ending is the HBO. Ah. Well, because I know like whenever they're writing it, it's like, I want it to end this way. But it, it, the lead up of how the end, he was kind of vague about. But I, there was that thing when the last season occurred. It's like, oh, George. You know, did an interview and it's like I told him like this is what I want and like that was it no hmm. other, like no other like lead up details like it has to end this way and so there's from the start of the last season to the end of last season there's a huge chunk of don't know what happens go right. for it but we just you know try to kind of kind of come up with an ad lib you know you, you have you have the answer but none of the questions to anything hmm. So who knows? Don't know. Nobody. Knows. I'm never gonna get to read Winds of Winter. So <laughs> at this point, too, I feel like I haven't read the books since <laughs> the last one came out. So like 2015 did that come out? Somewhere in there. Yeah. I feel like that's the last time I read them. So they'll be like. <laughs> If I do read that book, it'll be like, oh, so-and-so. I'll be like, what? Who? Uh, hold on. I'm going to go back and reread all the other <laughs> ones. Big books to go back and reread. No, nah, it's fine. Mm, fine. I don't know. You need something, to, needing something to do with your time. That's for sure. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to do it until like I actually have a published date. Like I'm not going <laughs> to not going to start. <laughs> not going to even Cuz you know it's going to be another 10 years yeah. before. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to reread them twice. Dang it. Ugh. <laughs> so, segueing into a brief aside here of a television show that is slightly better than it has any right to be, right? Oh. Susan and I over break have been binge watching uh SWAT, right? So it's like, it's like a modern, it's like based on the 1970s TV show or movie. Uh, and it's like, I don't know. It's about like Los Angeles SWAT team or whatever. Uh, and this show just sounds like a normal cop show, but it's actually 
not too bad. It's pretty good. Okay. But the most important part about this show, <clears throat> right? Are the characters pretty good? Yeah. Are they a little too overdramatic sometimes? Yes. <clears throat> but like they're at least attempting to tackle in their own way some of the modern problems that are faced with like police and stuff like that, right? So they're they like address these things, okay. which is nice, where other cop shows are just like Anyway, here's the back. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, like, they mentioned that it's like you get kind of like a, you know, they, they talk through this thing. It's very interesting. But <clears throat> the best part about this show is uh, I don't know who the, the cinematographers are, but they they just go ham. Like, I don't, they, they've just been told, like, yeah, just go for it. And some of the shots in this show are insane. <laughs> oh. <laughs> For like car chases or or like what? literally anything. Oh, like the <laughs> one the other day they were going into this like warehouse thing with like uh night vision, and one of the dudes got punched and his night vision goggles fell off, and they're on the floor. Right, <gasps> cut to uh, wide shot where you can just see these shadows moving and the green glow. The camera, uh, the camera then swoop zooms into the night vision goggles. So then you're looking through the lens that are sitting on then, the floor. And then you, yeah, from the floor angle, you see the action happening from the floor angle. Wh- Wild. Uh, they, oh, wow. It's insane. Like these people, I don't know who they are. And I don't know what they're, whoever's, whoever's just letting them go hand. <laughs> right. Good job. Because they're, they're like, they're, they do love the modern. I've noticed it a lot. Actually, I first started noticing this in Shark Week, believe it or not. But the modern, <laughs> the modern, like, because drones are so popular, uh-huh. right? And you can get, like, crazy shots with drones. They'll do, like, drone, like, chase things and, like, crazy okay. stuff. But, like, the 100% overhead straight down shot with oh. what is, like, the most overused camera angle. Oh, I know. Since drones became a thing. Like, they do it in Shark Week all the time. And this show has it just everywhere yeah <laughs> oh it's interesting i was just um looking at uh something came across my social media uh where the guy it was camped out in like a most crocodile infested part of the the world wherever and he shot it all via drone and it is all of these overhead shots and at first you're like oh wow this is really cool but then like you lose sense of scale of it's so disorienting to see it from that position of like, oh, that actually needs to be used really sparingly yeah. for this to actually make sense. They use it sometimes where it's like, they did one the other day, they were like going through the alleyway and they did the over, and then the drone was like following. Okay. So it looked like a top down, like scrolling dungeon crawler thing. But like, huh. so, but I was like, <laughs> the, the camera people in the show just need to be acknowledged. Like the acting is pretty good. Storytelling is good for the most part. A little too much like, machismo sometimes it's a little heavy-handed okay calm down a little bit but the the camera work is the star here like it's really Uh, okay (laughs) so my segue from that okay yeah i was thinking about right so this my train of thought here is swat so now if you remember during the early 2000s you might be going wasn't there a swat movie with samuel l jackson well, yes, Aaron, there was. You're correct. <laughs> Good memory. And so, again, it gets based on like a 70s show or something. So, like, the character names are like all the same, but the characters are very, very different. Right. right? Not. The, the yeah. 2000s one is like, it's like uh, Michelle Rodriguez. She was big in 2000, right? 
Colin Farrell and of course LL Cool J because the ladies love Cool James. And I want you know your thoughts, Aaron and Colin, on on uh during the two thousands. I just remember that Hollywood seemed to be trying to make Colin Farrell just a big thing. He was in literally every movie ever. And so, what are your? How do you feel about Colin Farrell? What are your thoughts on this? I like. I, I know he's he's a good actor, but every time I watch like Alexander the Great, I I had to turn it off because I'm like, does, does Alexander the Great have a? Do they have to have like a Scott, like an Irish like accent in it or whatever? Like, no. And so I like the acting even in that movie just top, and that comes from ninety percent Colin Farrell. And then, like a slight, you know, sliver from Angelina Jolie and um, oh, who's the other? Uh, Anthony Hopkins is in that movie too. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. he is. Yeah. And so, like, you know, trying to, you know, Colin Farrell's trying to like carry that movie, and like the action pieces, yes. Um, you know, the time period, the the authentic authenticity of like the armor, and the, like yes, but then it's just like Colin Farrell shouting through, you know a good chunk of that movie. And then when I watch things like SWAT, you know, going from Alexander the Great to that, it's just like, I mean, I can't like he's, he's going to do something wild and crazy and sporadic. And like, that's his character. Just like, you know, he's a, he's, he's a wild card. You don't, you don't know what he's going to do next. And I think every movie during that time period, like that was kind of like his character shtick. He's like, Oh man, he's, he's a wild card. He's going to, you know, fly off the handles and, 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 and act crazy and so you know that kind of rinse wash repeat character and and i well now i gotta see what movies he was in well so i pulled up a imdb here right and <laughs> brandon's, a, brandon's got you yeah so <laughs> so like to, starting in 2000 too low uh it's like Tigerland, american outlaws hearts war minority report yeah. phone booth the big breakout yeah phone booth right daredevil oh my gosh. the swat movie it, there's just like 20 billion like it's just colin farrell everywhere and i agree aaron that i don't don't really think colin farrell is the guy to carry your movie right i just feel like i've seen a lot of these movies and they're like not they're just not right i feel like they were trying to make the 2010s or the early 2000s the decade of colin farrell and it's just like two oh. <clears throat> uh, i don't remember exactly that's right. he was yeah, a, he's a bad guy. Weirdly, just put him there. He was in Minority Report. Yeah, New World. I does Miami Vice. Every single like character that he he played was some sort of like you don't know what he's gonna do next. He's acting wild. <laughs> oh, thank you. We we have a slight uh. Like breaking the action here, but hi. <laughs> what did you just deliver? Coins and coal. Thank you very much. <laughs> do, do we need to ask her about her opinion about Colin Farrell here? Do you have Do you have opinions? No. Not a girl. <laughs> Thank you very much. Really? Oh, it's twenty twenty. But I mean, like even like some of these, like the like the early you know two thousand action, which I can pretty much summarize an action scene. There's a character shooting. There's about twelve camera breaks in the span of like five seconds, and 
you know, then has shown a, a, an image of ammo on the ground because that that sudden like it's it's, the, the, it's really, probably smoking too. Smoking. Like, I, I really oh. I really like the long take and something not like you know nineteen uh, fourteen. World War One movie that was like all one continuous like oh yeah shot that was cool but like in a lot of these early action films like the the go to thing the it's a giant spider running yeah. across the floor right now hold on keep talking time season ah well, coming was, back was that you know wah, 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 wah. camera 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 and I think like a whole lot of that really kind of like and when you're a young kid and you like you like action. Oh, this is like the best movie ever. But like watching it now, it's like uh, I don't know what's happening. It's exhausting. Keep the camera on one person for more than like five seconds, please. Uh, this is the born identity's fault. Yeah. Right. This movie yeah. uh, made it cool because like when it, that movie did it, it was like new yeah. and interesting and exciting. And then like other people were like, oh. Everyone really liked that. We should do that too. But then they did it like worse, and so it was just, yeah, it, it, it just it's just constant. What what is that called in cinematography? When it's just like the like the um the cutaways. Yeah, cut 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 cut. Like I don't, uh, I don't know what's happening. And I a lot of those movies that he is in during those that that span of of popularity were like that. Even like in some of the scenes in Alexander, like. If they could just stay the camera on like this certain scene for more, like for like ten seconds, like you know the the battle with um, Darius, Darius, like that the the Gargamella. Oh yeah, the the battle of Gargamella. Um, like that scene. Like if you just straight on phalanx for like ten seconds, this would be actually a pretty like watchable movie. But it's not. It's like. Marching forward, they've had to stab. The horses are charging. Like one guy's impaled, and then it's like cutaway. Stop it! So they they have too many cutaways in the movie Phone Booth, a man, a movie about a man trapped in a phone booth. <laughs> like he can't, he can't even go anywhere. Like he's just standing there, not doing anything. <sighs> but I, but the, the even even with a movie like that, like his his character, where it's like calm for five seconds, and there's like, hey, very calm. Like that's like the sudden outburst, like you know, in SWAT that was his character. He he was he was he was a pistol. He was, you know, he was a rogue. Like I don't know if I want this guy on my team. He can't be trusted. And then something happened. Like see, I've proven right. And then something else happened. Like I guess I was wrong about you. Like almost every character that he faces, and even in Alexander, keep going back to it. Like I you know I I'm I'm the leader of of I, I'm the king. Just like I'm the son of Zeus. Like. Stop shouting! Like, just chill out. So, I, I think that character is, is, no matter what he's playing during that time period, are the exact same. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, I should point out in in the new show, the well, the modern show SWAT, right? Because in the in the in the movie, he's playing the character Jim Street, right? Which is the name of the guy in all the. That's the name, right? That's they all have the same name, right? But the guy in this show, like he's at the first couple seasons, he's like that too. But it's like much more subtle, mm. right? It's played much better <laughs> on television, right? It's it's far superior to like the like he does like roguey things, but he does them like quieter <laughs> yeah. and like you have like the motivation for why he's doing it, and so you like have sympathy for him and you understand where he's coming from. 
you do still go like, if you would just talk to somebody, this problem would go away. But it's fine. Oh, it's yes. Fine. Fine. <laughs> There's a lot of that, like, I'm going to handle it my own way. Like, <laughs> calm down. Stop it. Contrived fight. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I, Colin Farrell, um, it's crazy. He's only 47, like, which is a bit hard to believe because, again, he's been around for, I mean, most of our lives <laughs> in his uh, uh in his acting career but yeah he's always played the same character and it was just it, it was never different but it's so weird because he's so acclaimed like people love him as an actor uh because he's been in so many different films right they're like oh that means he has breadth and what he's able to do but i don't know if he does all those I well know, i don't know if you want to be like yo i'm a great actor did you see me in Miami Vice? Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Answer's probably yeah. Next. I can't find the name of that movie. He is in some like movie that I watched not too long ago. One of my friends made me watch it, like a movie about gangsters or something. Oh, like a English gangster movie. He played right? the penguin in the new Batman movie. Did he? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, with um, uh, Pattinson. With Pattinson played Batman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was the he was the penguin. So. There, in, there's in that the, he's in the gentleman that's the movie that i saw what was that about um american expatriate became rich by building a higher profitable drug ring in london when word gets out he's looking to cash out his business it soon triggers an array of plots and schemes including bribery and blackmail from shady characters who want to steal his domain it's a guy Ritchie movie um, right it's a guy Ritchie movie yeah it's not named uh, I mean, it's a Guy Ritchie movie that isn't like Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, so like it's not, <laughs> it's like not quite as good as that. Or sure. Snatch, it's trying to be those movies, yeah. but it's not quite as good as those movies are, which is unfortunate. There was like something there, yeah. there was like something there, but mm, it just wasn't. It, I felt bored during that movie. Mm. I will say, I did like the Batman. Oh yeah, yeah, I did like that. Hey. I knew there was lots of uh, worry and concern about how Pattinson, it's Pattinson, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll do. I I watched this one um, thing that talked about like the the evolution of of live action Batman's and the last few um, Batman's like all encompassed like different parts of of of, of Batman. Um, ben Affleck was like character like encompasses like the 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 gritness of like batman after doing it for so many years and how he's kind of like morphed from when he started to what he is now um christian bale version was like like this is what bruce wayne is like he is a a philanthropist playboy loves spending his money and in the robert pattinson's character like he's like it's like it's it takes place like when he's first starting out as batman and how like his only mm-hmm. Um, reason for doing Batman is vengeance, and then like that that arc that I'll go. Hey, this is actually not what Batman is. Is like of of justice. Like this is the reason of why he's doing it. So all three of of those Batmans like take like a certain part of what Batman is. And I liked hmm. I liked watching that. Learning it now, it's like oh hey, like watching the Batman. It's like oh this is you know Bruce Wayne like when he's first starting out. Like he's still trying to figure out what he's supposed to do. Like how he's supposed to do it, you know. Yes, running into beating thugs is like obviously what you do as a Batman, but the reason of why he does it is it becomes different, and all three of them play a huge part. But I really, really liked this version, although you have to watch it at night 
<laughs> full volume. Okay. Because I, I, I think I watched, like, I think Shelby was at work or something. He's like, I'm going to watch the Batman. And, like, I turned it on. It was, like, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And I just shut, like, all of the blinds and shutters in the house. And I like, put blankets oh. over the window just to, like, watch it. Because it's, like, dark. Yeah, I was going to say, it's shot so dark Not as like, a movie. Like, you can't. You can't barely see. It's like, no, we don't actually want any lights on in yeah. the studio. Everyone turn them off and we'll film it. There we go. Not like, not like moody dark, like dark. dark. Yeah. Visually dark. <laughs> see, see people, people that are always like, they watch a movie and they're like, well, that's not what it actually look at. It look like at nighttime. It'd be way darker. Like, yeah, but the point of the movie is to see the thing. Right. Okay. So, so maybe don't shoot a movie at night for real with no lights. Like, okay. Right. It's like, <laughs> not. That's got, <laughs> very unhelpful. Yeah. Like I understand that's not real, but it's also a movie. Bro, a movie. Right. Like, yeah. Also, I want to know Aaron on this spectrum of, of Batman, where does, where does Val Kilmer Batman reign? What is his deal? What is that? So it, it, with, with, oh. with Val Kilmer and even with George Clooney's, um, they, they kind of, you know, the, the fantasy aspect of Batman. Cause like even, even with DC, there's always, it, it's supposed to take place like in the realm of, of realism. But then there's always like the one character that's like, this guy's way like out of left field. And so with, with George Clooney and Val Kilmer's Batman, it's supposed to be like the, the what, what the symbol of Batman supposed to be even, even in a realm of, of realism and in fantasy, like this is what Batman is like the, the figure of it. And what he's supposed to do now, the, when you get to the part of, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger or Uma Thurman, you know, hard left turn, but, um, even with, Oh, dang it. Get Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy, Tommy uh-huh. Lee Jones. Who, who was the, the eighties Batman? Damn it. Oh, uh, Michael, uh, Keaton, Michael Keaton, even yeah. like, even with him, like the, Oh, what was it? Like the, the realism of how the world is like how the world treats the the unknown or the, the, the downtrodden because the penguins character like started out with relatively good intentions. And then like society made him that way. <clears throat> Same thing like with the Joker. Um, and so it, it, it's Michael Keaton's version, it, you know, again, dark, dark movie. Uh, and, and it was also directed by, um, Burton. Tim Burton. So it, it, it takes a just, huge, yeah, like just, just a darker twist in, in general. So with, yeah. with that character, it's, you know, like look at, you know, not just, not just the hero, but you know, there's a lot of scenes with the pink one and you know, how, like how society has treated, treated and not helped out these individuals and like, look what they become. And in the 2020, the Joker with, walking phoenix yeah same kind of thing and so you know batman is batman but he's batman like with the villains because most of these characters like some something or with the villains most of these characters have you know some sort of backstory that made him that way with the joker you know he he started as a comedian and like his wife got sick and so he started he, he needed like money and so he turned to life of crime and then he severely injured and that's what he you know became this way and and batman's characters throughout and especially with the newer ones um with um the batman not to be confused with batman mm-hmm. but the batman um you know this is what society has n- neglected um or the riddler's character was was neglected by 
you know, all forms of, you know, public services. And so that's why he became the way he did. And that's why Batman kind of changes. Like, oh, hey, I'm not doing this for vengeance. I'm doing this for justice and to actually do some good, not just beat up people. Because yeah. So I guess this comes down to uh, favorite Batman. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, the the actual right answer is Kevin Conroy. Because <laughs> when Aaron said that, I, all I thought was, I am and vengeance. vengeance. <laughs> I am <Yeah>. the night. <laughs> but I, I feel like I feel like the the reason that I like Batman right the very best is that uh kind of what Aaron's talking about is the like the villains uh make Batman interesting. Yeah. Because kind of like the psychology of uh, almost every Batman villain is that like the villain's motivation and Batman's motivation are like oftentimes very similar, similar. right? Yeah. It's just like how they go about getting to the problem, right? Finding the solution is the different path they take, right? Like a lot yeah. of Batman villains, like uh, um, Batman could have become a lot of the villains yeah. if he would have made different decisions, yeah. right? Like that, that to me is where <laughs> it gets really interesting, especially ones like Hush, right? Some of the cool ones like that or like, even Victor Freeze, right? Maybe uh-huh. not the Arnold, Arnold version, but like... No, definitely the Arnold <clears throat> version. You know, uh, like, you know, his motivation is he just wants to save his wife. Uh-huh. Right? He's trying to save Nora. You know, that's it. Like, that's all he wants to do. And so, like, he does all kinds of criminal behavior, but his motivation is to save Nora. Yeah. Right? Like, and and that's what makes it really interesting to me is like, Batman is not only usually fighting like this like bad guy he's also kind of like fighting himself a little bit because like he he oftentimes can see why they're doing it right and i feel like that's a really interesting thing that you know that psychology psychological aspect of that of like why the bad guys are doing things right what's their motivation i feel like almost every batman villain has some kind of motivation right i don't know about like the mad hatter or you know killer croc but like they (laughs) they you know they have some kind of motivation for what they're doing and it's like clearly defined right like Uh pamela isley just wants to save trees Mm. but also (laughs) (laughs) kill all the people in gotham so that more trees can live okay we started out strong and then we took a bad turn yeah. there. That's why what happens. Had us in the first half, not going to lie. It's the second part. It was step two. Step two is the problem. <laughs> it's the implementation. Oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, and, and you see that, I think, a lot of where uh, you see it particularly with just, I mean, honestly, like the Joker, like in, in most movies and even in the animated TV show of like, the Joker will outright say like, you need me, Batman. Like, like you need me. And at the time, it was like, oh, that's right, because Batman needs somebody to fight. But like, really, it's like, no, Batman needs reminded of where Batman will go if he's not on the right path here. So he needs to see the end result of the Joker to keep him from going there. Right? Yeah, to keep him. Doing. And I feel like that's something that the I don't know. You probably did it, but did you ever play the Arkham games, Aaron? Oh man, that game. That game does such a great job. Of doing that, especially the second one. Well, the first one too, because the it's the Joker is still it's Mark Hamill still. Yeah. In the video game. Oh, oh my oh my <laughs> god. 
Uh, that's actually Mark Hamill's best contribution to cinema history is just being the Joker. Joker yeah. Like it's incredible, but yeah. like <clears throat> those games do a really good job of doing that too. They like really pull in. It's like, it's like a really good mesh of like the, the animated series and like some of the movie stuff like pulled all in together. Cause I think yeah. Kevin Conroy did the voice of Batman in some of those games too. Didn't he? Yeah. He, um, I'm gonna have to look it up, but yeah, he like, even from the, the animated series of the popular from that, like the the voices, a lot of those voices are in like the later movies or in like the video games. Yeah. So it's like, it's like pulling that universe in there, but like, again, it's like really motivational thing. And, and like the Joker's like the main bad guy in the first two, but there's like the other bad guys are there. He's like manipulating them to do his thing or whatever. But like, but they, yeah, that's the motivation that comes is the Joker's basically saying like, you do need me uh, because, <clears throat> yeah, because I, I, you need me to be, because you wouldn't exist without me because I'm the reason that we need a Batman. Yeah. But also, you're this close to being me. me yeah. Like, yeah. one wrong move, bets. And, <laughs> and this is it. Right. No, it's, 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 it really has a lot of depth, depth to it. And that internal struggle is, is really apparent to that very humanizing him and that aspect of that continual internal fight, uh, through, through what he does. You asked about who the favorite Batman is. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and also kind of with the, the other stuff like you knew me. Um, I would have to say Will Arnett, uh, Lego Batman. Oh. Um, <laughs> talks a lot about, about like, I can do this alone. I am Batman. And it's like, well, no, you don't like it as they're like, I have to do it alone. But even, yeah. um, the Joker isn't like, no, like, I am your archivist. He's like, no, you're not. Yeah. Like, no, I, I have no archivist. And like, kind of like that being alone, it's like, you don't really have to do it. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of that, but I remember, I remember watching that movie for the first time. And I, I like the Lego movie. And I was like, well, you know, like a Batman might not be really good. It's really funny. It's, <laughs> so it, it's, it's definitely like a different take on Batman. But I, I just like the, like the, the the humor that goes into it and the visualization because you know think of Legos and you're, you always think of you know, Lego in, Lego Indiana Jones Lego mm-hmm. Harry Potter it's like oh you know like this, like this is good like what how's it gonna do in like movie form and mm. the Lego movie the Lego movie too and Lego Batman uh, knocked out the Lego humor is vastly underrated right yeah. as a person who's played many Lego games I definitely have played. <laughs> Lego Indiana Jones, an underrated gem of a video game, right? <laughs> the backstory here is that Aaron got that for like <clears throat> when he first got an Xbox, I think. Okay, and I was like, oh, Lego. I was, I was older, right? I'm older than Aaron. So I was like, Lego, that's dumb. And I started playing it. And I was like, nope, nope, this is sick. <laughs> this is, this is the sickest thing ever. So yeah. I definitely played Lego Indiana Jones. I played Lego Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, the Lego Batman video game. Yeah. Uh, the Harry Potter one, the Harry Potter ones are sick too. I, um, I didn't play, I only I played one of the Star Wars ones and, uh, like, oh, the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings one. Uh. And last summer I definitely played like Lego city or whatever. You're like a police Lego guy. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's like open world Lego. Ga- yeah. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> but the Lego humor in general is so funny. I don't know why. It, like the visual, it's all just like weird visual gags. It's hilarious. <laughs> in the in the earlier games, they didn't use like any voiceovers. They only used um like sounds from the movie. Oh, 
And so, but at, at like, like the visual humor or, or with the, you know, the visual comedy of it, like plays such an epic role in it. And just like the exploration and the creativity, that's like, you know, Legos, like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But like when you actually play it, like, this isn't actually like a game. Like you have to like solve puzzles, build things, and, and, and follow the story, which, you know, I imagine like a, you know, seven year old kid trying to recreate Indiana Jones via Legos, like mm-hmm. perfect. It's like, it, those games are fun. I, I on my Steam wish list, I do have the, the Harry Potter franchise that I have not bought yet, but I should get the the winter sale on it. I have that. That's that's one of the games that my goal at some point is to make Susan two player co op like Harry Potter with me. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I, she can be the other person, right? I want to, I want this to happen like so bad. Maybe, maybe, we, should, maybe we should do that podcast of us playing it because I have to screen record though. Uh, I don't know. I need I you know, to grab no, my computer can handle that. And we'll try it out. I also want her to play because she doesn't like video games at all. My other goal is I want her to play LA Noir with me and just make her answer all the questions. Oh, like <laughs> you, yeah, you play the actual part. Uh. Yeah, I'm gonna have the controller. She's just gonna tell me what to do because that's a game where you play like a detective in the 1940s. Uh-huh. It's all about like trying to solve a crime, and okay. you ask people these questions. You have to like respond to them and stuff. Yeah. And so, like, I want her to be to like, do that. Tell me what but yeah, <laughs> solve the crime. I'll control the character. Okay, that'd be fun. I want her to be like <clears throat> telling me the buttons push. I'll drive the car. I'll do all that stuff. I don't care. I'll. Drive Cole around in his idiot self, doing dumb spoilers for L.A. Noir. Wow, Cole Phelps is a moron. Oh wow, uh, <clears throat> redemption arc at the end. Don't worry, it's fine. <laughs> but I think she would like the visuals of 1940s Los Angeles, and she loves like detective things and like mystery solving. So mm. I just want her to do that. But I want to. I want that to happen. That would be so funny. I think. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, we'll have to, that'd be. That'd be yeah, I will. We'll see what we can. I don't know. I don't know what kind of external forces we can do to make that happen. But mm. yeah, well, yeah, we'll let you know how that goes. But <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Well, um, real quick, um, as we as we wind down here. Um, I think I think I was supposed to write. It's your turn. It's my <laughs> turn. So this is uh, I have a haiku that I wrote. Oh yeah. Um, that hold on, I need to find. I don't exactly know how this got started, Aaron, but we have been ending every show with haiku. Haikus. <laughs> now this one. Uh, okay, there it is. Okay, so this one. I'm a little worried. Uh, you should be. Uh, <laughs> Not gonna lie, I did not have one until this morning. Hey, you know when inspiration strikes, you just gotta take advantage of it. This is greatly influenced by last night. So, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> All right, context. <laughs> First off, listeners, here's how last night went. <laughs> I was not sleeping yet. Everyone had gone to bed except for Colin and I, and we were downstairs just like chilling on the couch talking, and we were flipping through the television. Dad has like weird antenna television okay and we found the branson tourism channel oh, and it's it, so it's so bad i mean it's uh, bad it's so bad <laughs> we thought about just pulling out the microphones and recording ourselves watching it 
just because uh, it was... we we react to commercials. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was oh, it was just all the worst that comes from Branson just just distilled into these like really long commercials. They're long form. I think that's what that, like, I, I can't, infomercial commercials. infomercials for these very specific places in Branson. And man, they just. Some of them were beautifully shot, but you just cringe. And it, it's about a good six out of ten of them contain Johnny Morris. Too. Yes, <laughs> it turns out he's he's a big proponent of paying for for those things. There, oh my gosh! So, what kicked this off though? The very first commercial we saw when we turned to this channel was for yeah, the thing that was for this. It's called Jiggling George. <gasps> hey, that was that. And we just saw the end, and so we went. What, what was, that? was that? What was that? What was that? Because okay, let's let's go back to some of our early foundations. Had this been in late '90s, early 2000s, we would never have seen this commercial again, right? And it would have just been lost to time, and we would have been like trying to scramble and find what this was. But because we have the internet. And this station was playing these commercials on a loop. On a loop. It, but they had like four different commercials. <laughs> so it's like the, the old uh, those travel things that you go to, like, to a hotel. Yes. Like, Come see beautiful historic downtown Branson. Yes. Yeah, I think this is the channel when you go into a hotel in Branson. When you turn the TV it's on, the this is the channel thing. that's on first. It, it right? must be. Yeah. It must be. So anyway, so this is, uh, they say it's an exercise machine, I don't think it's an exercise now, machine. Now, also, uh, the listeners, the commercial that we saw, five seconds of a man <laughs> in a lime green and polka dot suit Suits. with a striped vest and a weird tie and just a baseball hat. And a baseball hat. And he was saying something about Jiggling George. Jiggling and Colin George? and I looked at each other and went, What? <laughs> So this is this is a machine that later we found out not through this commercial because we did our research while we were watching. This is a machine that you lay in bed and you put your feet onto and then it shakes your legs back and forth, left and right, left and right, left and right. And that's all this machine does. Jiggling George's new life bed exerciser is the yeah, world's only bed exerciser of bed, its kind. Yes. To, uh, totally bed friendly to most beds or can be used on that. the floor. That's Four, uh, $449. Yes. It's $500. And you lay down. It just shakes your ankles. Yes. Yeah, you hook your ankles into this little thing and then it just like, shakes you back. There's a video in there. Some say it jiggles you. Some say there's a video in there. Where they pan across people testing this, Man. and it's just six people in a row. Look at that suit, Aaron. Look at it. Look at it. <laughs> I feel like I've seen this guy before. with their legs going crazy. It looks so uncomfortable, and it's supposed to be like, oh, it helps joint pain because it increases blood flow through nitrous oxide and blah blah. blah. Basically, what we've derived is that this guy, the guy who invented this, <laughs> see, yeah, see, look at that. Isn't it horrifying? There's a little feet to yeah, this would make that's a cutscene from it's the latest so, Saul movie. So what funny, little feet just <laughs> back and forth. It's so ridiculous. Aww. We are hundred. I am well. I am hundred percent convinced that this guy looked at what the gyms of the forties and fifties were and went, you know, what we need we need more jiggling in the gym because that's what we need. We need the little vibrator thing to come back and shake your hips back and forth to make. It <laughs> 
Most of these people have like headphones on, their eyes covered. They're it, just laying it, there. Just- it's a scene. It's it's two movies. Yeah, if if the Matrix had in the Saw had crossover, this would be where they're plugged in, they're cut off from reality, and they're being tortured. Like that's what this yeah, is. The shtick here, Aaron, is that if you go there, you can do fifteen minutes free on one of those machines. To oh. it yourself. And it'll change your life. Yeah, allegedly, according to the testimonials, your life will never be the same again. Yes. Is this a clinic, or are you just? Like, it's a shoe it's store, a, Aaron. It's, Aaron, oh. Aaron, it's a shoe store. It's a shoe Family store. Health business again, proving your health. It's nineteen sixty nine. Yeah. Yeah. Online shop. Yeah. Fascinating. All right. Carry All right. on. All right. So with Brother. with that with that knowledge, um, I. Uh, wrote this haiku. <laughs> okay. There's too many Branson themed haikus. Too, right? too many. We're, we're, yeah. I wrote one about Dino. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting bad here. Yeah. Uh, so this one, right? Okay. Uh, legs shake. <laughs> Beds a stage. <laughs> Jiggling George's dance routine. Fitness with a twist. <laughs> And there you go. That's good. Look, look, I am just, I am just being used as a muse for for the content. It's fine. It's just being funneled through me. It's happening. So. None of this was an endorsement or sponsored by anybody. Yeah, please, hashtag not, not sponsored. And please, for the love of everything, no thank you. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And that's our own bite. There you go. So, so that's. Well, um, we should probably stop. <laughs> I think so. Okay. <laughs> love you guys. Love you. Love you too. Bye. Okay.